but evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> the shadow knows. Is that, is that new? How new is that list? I just put it up the other day. That's terrific. Because she'll get all the way up and sit down on the bed and then call me. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that conversation. Or bring her drinks. That's terrific. Check the dogs. Or blah, blah, blah. One thing after another after another. That's fantastic. We ready? Uh, close to your face. My face. That would be cool. Oh, man. Okay, so... Give me, a, give me a, give me a sentence or two. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm very good. I'm very good. <laughs> okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Hi and welcome to Frank Reviews, a father-son journey Frank through reviews. pop culture. Pop culture. I am Harrison, and that's Frank. Frankie. And uh, this week, after taking a week off, uh, we watched the movie The Third Man, starring, supposedly starring Orson Welles, but he's only in about. 10, 15 minutes worth of the movie. Mm, maybe more than that, but... Uh, it's Yeah. About the last third, at least. Yeah, the, the last, last third of the movie. Um, uh, although, I learned this, because I was just doing broad research for it, and I love this so much. Or, they filmed in Vienna, and they used a post-war, bombed-out Vienna really well, I think, that you can see them scrambling over rubble. And, uh, and stonework masonry and just it's so much. But my absolute favorite thing that I found out, Orson Welles was two weeks late to filming. He just straight up didn't show up for the first two weeks of filming. And most of what they were filming in that first two weeks was the big epic tunnel chase mm. at the end of the movie. So anytime you don't see Orson Welles' face... It is a double wearing extra padding under his coat to fill out the size of Orson Welles. And I'm like, this is like his most prestigious performance. Uh, it's, uh, and it's just a dude in a fat suit half the time. <laughs> Which... yeah, yeah, you really didn't need him. As a matter of fact, you didn't even need anybody because you just heard footsteps. And you looked down the tunnel and there was nobody there, but you heard footsteps. And yeah. that was him running away and... You didn't even need him. Yeah, it's like half the time he's introduced in the shadows. Yeah. Like, I was so convinced. I was so ready for that old guy selling balloons to just pop off a fake beard and nose and be Orson Welles. I wanted yeah. that to be Orson Welles so badly. Yeah, that, yeah that's. I guess that's what you were... Yeah. Yeah. Just... Bizarre. Yeah, I, I guess just years of watching convoluted spy movies have trained me to expect stuff like that but what what's what stood out to you 
couple of things besides the shadows the use of shadows literal shadows of, <coughs> of people mm-hmm. um there was there was that name thing all right i don't know if it okay. caught on to it the name, name thing, thing. <clears throat> okay the main guy which um what was his name the main uh guy. holly holly okay holly. that was yeah holly something anyway yeah um, he kept calling the the army officer cop Galloway, and the cop would correct him, saying it's Gallahan. Right. He's okay. English, not Irish. Irish, right. And that happened a couple times. Then when Holly is addressing uh, Dr. Winkel, he keeps saying Dr. Winkle. And Dr. Winkel had to correct him a couple of times. Right. Okay. Malicious misnaming. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and then, well, this one makes sense. But when the girl was calling Holly, Harry, and Har- Holly had to correct her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was a thing in the movie or what that was for, but it was like... Just- don't worry about making eye contact okay. with me. Just keep yeah, keep right creepy. with the mic. That's creepy. Anyway, uh, I don't know if that was a thing in the movie or what, but it it felt very intentional. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like, what was the point of that? Uh, to bring out like obscure things. It's quite possible that um, Holly was like using these deliberate mispronunciations of these characters' names as like a quiet way to insult them to their faces and also that's i gotta remember that actor's name hang on because this is gonna bother me because i don't have this committed to memory uh joseph cotton played holly right 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 right, right, yeah and i gotta say he's got some of he has some of the best drunk acting i've ever seen yeah he was good yeah like he was oh yeah no he's really just a bombed out american dude in, uh, yeah. in the middle of Europe, excellent. Um, but then, like the uh, uh, he gets misnamed by uh, uh, the woman, and I'm just going to call her the woman. She's almost literally the only woman in the movie, <laughs> no, uh, which is just only. sad. No, yeah, there it turns out, yeah. There's also just randomly another young woman who is dancing only with pasties on. Yes. Uh, turns out that was deleted in the original run and then reinstated for later releases. Oh, which, okay. Wow, the things you learn on the internet. Fantastic. Let's see. Anna accidentally addresses Holly as Anna. Harry. Yeah. Anna was, yeah. Anna, a- Anna misnames Anna Holly, yeah. which, yeah, it's only a couple of letters off, but at the same time, you can kind of tell that she is only interested in Harry Lime, and Holly keeps trying to swoop in and be like, hey, I'm a nice guy, and she does not care at all. I thought that there was a time where she might go for him, but in that last scene mm-hmm. in the end where she walks right past him yep. without even acknowledging his existence, that was definite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The guy just decides to like he jumps out the back of the jeep and waits for the waits for Anna to come up and it's like this beautiful extended long shot of her just walking straight by. Yeah. 
I was kind of hoping she would just keep walking straight and bump directly <laughs> into the camera. Yeah, I was thinking, which, which, which way is she going to go? Yeah, it's like, uh-uh-uh, are we going to play with the camera? Is it going to just cross into that? Nope, he's going to smoke a cigarette and be a sad sack. Yeah. Excellent. I got, hang on, I should probably pull up Twitter, because one of my mutuals on Twitter... This is apparently his favorite movie. I feel silly because this is not his real name. I don't know his real name. Should probably find that out. He's only known as the Chewy Walrus. That might be his. It might name. be, but I should point out that his uh, uh, his profile picture is Orson Welles. Uh, my favorite iteration of Orson Welles, which is fat, old, drunk, bearded, magic Orson Welles. But he had a couple of things to look out for. Carol Reed, the director, had to wait until 1968 to get his Oscar for Oliver. Uh, so he directed this film, and then he eventually went on to direct Oliver. That's kind of odd. Oh, yeah, the music. Nan, uh, my grandmother, also uh, uh, said yes. to keep an eye out for the music. It's a zither. Yes. Which I don't... I honestly don't know what a zither is now i'm gonna well, google that i know that it's a stringed instrument like a, an, a, a turkish or eastern european stringed instrument here we go it kind of sounds like a harp a harpsichord the european zither consists of a flat shallow sound box across which some 30 or 40 gut or metal strings are attached so yeah even just the opening credits it's this close-up of the strings being plucked yes and you even like said like halfway through you just realized that's the instrument right. being played so i've been listening to the music uh which is really just the one track almost okay and it's so like incongruous with the f the, the action of the film like, the film is this dark, plodding, noir drama set in bombed-out Vienna. And then the, I kept feeling like the music would not sound out of place, like, on a SpongeBob episode. Um, Maybe that's just me, but, well, like, it's this very upbeat, like, yep, walking through the streets. It's, it's probably typical of the time. Mm. Um, and, I mean, they did a... They did a lot to make it realistic, like you said, the bombed-out Vienna, which mm -hmm. literally was a bombed-out oh, yeah. city, oh, yeah. city streets. And they would have shops and people uh, um, that all looked realistic to, to that era and to that time. Um, so possibly the music just went along with it. I don't know what they would be. It, um, I would think, well, Vienna's Austria. So right. It's not necessarily German, but it's close to German. And I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, the zither had to do with it. Maybe that's all they had for the budget. <laughs> was zither or harmonica? Uh, zither. It's like we've we've got a guy with a kazoo. Yeah. Yeah. He can he can play us some stuff. It 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 also doesn't help that I'm absolutely in love with Orson Welles in general. Okay. Like, I spent today at work listening to uh, old episodes of his radio program, The Shadow. Okay. Which, it's... I may interrupt right here. Ladies and gentlemen, The Shadow will be with you in just a moment. In the meantime, I'd like to remind you of a well-known fact. Coal colored blue means better heat at less cost. For when you buy blue coal, you're getting the cream of all Pennsylvania anthracite. The harmless blue coloring with which blue coal is trademarked is your guarantee of clean, even, safe, dependable heat all winter long. Such heat ensures the health of your entire household. So when you order coal, specify blue coal. 
Ask for it by name. Phone your order to your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. They just so straight-facedly, yes, we must fight the menace of crime does not pay. I, I absolutely love it. And I don't know if you know this, but... It's, I think the most famous one uh, of his radio programs is The War of the Worlds. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the classic, yeah. Well, yeah. This is going a little off-tangent from The Third Man, but uh, I could just talk about Orson Welles constantly. But it did not occur to me until a couple of years ago that Grover's Mill, New Jersey was a real place. Oh, and yeah. I thought it was just a fictional little town yeah. they made up for... Yeah. The War of the Worlds radio program. Place, yep. And it turns out it's only about a half hour drive from us. Cool. So I have now turned it into a annual... Pilgrimage. Uh, pilgrimage, thank you. I was searching for the word Mecca, but pilgrimage works as well. On October 30th, I try to visit the War of the Worlds monument in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Wow. Uh, where they have a small statue in a lovely little park uh, next to a lake of the radio broadcast and it's this weird little monument in the middle of a field with a Martian tripod and Orson huh. Welles and a scared family listening to the radio cool. and the local Boy Scout troop has made little uh, plaques scattered through a walkway detailing like the, the broadcast and the effects and stuff like that and I, cool. I, I am absolutely in love with it Cool. Uh, not to mention the local coffee house is entirely War of the Worlds themed. If oh, you cool. want a nine foot tall statue of a Martian tripod entirely constructed out of uh, espresso machine parts, <laughs> it's kind of fantastic. Okay, so we don't know what the name thing was. The the name thing, I feel like, yeah, that was just like, if it's anything, it it could be that he was using malicious misnaming as a way to insult... Okay. Um, that would make sense. Uh, 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 Calloway and Vinkel, and, and as you say, and then he got it used against him, not even in a malicious way, right. just an absent-minded, right. oh, yeah, my boyfriend, Harry, you're not Harry, uh, sort of thing. And how, okay, <clears throat> then how about that super creepy part uh -oh. where everybody's chasing Holly. Mm-hmm. The child is chasing Holly. Oh, God, that child. And you see... Oh my the, God! The shadows of all these people on the sides of right when they all think he's a murderer, and the child is leading them. That was creepy. That was the fact that like neither of us, I don't think, speak. Uh, 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 I want to say it was German. That's German. Yeah. 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 Neither of us speak German, so we don't entirely know what everybody is screaming. So it's just this weird, creepy little child screaming at you and chasing you around. Oh, God. I think he was screaming something like murder, murder, or it, like being it, murderer yeah. or something. Um, yeah, I, the use of German, which I should is, probably start taking notes while we watch these movies. Which, but. Yeah, the use of German was kind of, could, could be irritating because they didn't have subtitles. Exactly. But you never really had to know what they were saying, and when you did have to know, Anna would translate right, it or yeah. somebody would... So what do you say? What do you say? Then yeah. Somebody would say what the, the what the English was. Yeah. If so, you did speak it or if it was subtitled, you would have been clued on maybe like 10 or 20 percent more of the plot. Right. Like three minutes in advance. But. And all the German, it was it was not one of those convenient films where uh, the person would speak in German and the American would say, do you speak English? Oh, well, of course I speak English. Uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Very. 
because you would not expect most of those people to speak English. So it was added to the authenticity. I right, think, yeah. I love that film. little scene in the beginning with the porter where uh, Holly learns that Harry is dead. Right. And he learns it from the porter who tries to tell him in German and then has to tell him again in English, but it's the most fractured, broken yeah. English. And it winds up being like... I think, doesn't he, like, mime, like, a body falling over, like, with his arms at some point? Uh, I might be I, imagining he might have, that. Or, didn't he, like, do a slash yeah, on no, his throat? Yeah, everybody did the slash across the throat yeah. gesture, the, which the, is, The like... international sign for, <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. It's also, like, the most, it's the worst way to find out that your friend is dead. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, a bunch of strangers trying to mime throat slashing at you. Yeah. It's like, that's ah, not pleasant at all. Oh, God. So many weird little things about it. Like, we both jumped out of our seats when the light came on and hit Orson Welles' face. Yeah. And he gives that weird, goofy little, well, you got me. Um, now, I could just ramble, please. I I was I was thinking, okay, the third man, mm-hmm. uh, we, I don't know if we should give it away <clears throat> or not, who the, what the third man is. The movie was. is over 50 years old at okay. this point. Yeah, if, if you, yeah, okay. If you're worried about spoilers, yeah. like, why are you listening to this? Yeah, the third... Okay, so the third man is Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. So the three of them... <clears throat> then I was trying to recreate the crime. They took the intern from the hospital. Right. Now, was he already dead? And they just tossed him in front of a truck or it's something? It's possible. It seems like the whole event was orchestrated by Harry... Um, so that only his closest, uh, quote-unquote, friends were there to witness right. the accident. And then the porter managed to see the immediate aftermath from above. Which was a mistake. On the and he's part, the yeah. one that clued Holly into there being a the third, third man. man. Because everybody said, oh, only two men carried him. Only two men carried him. And then the porter... Porter said, but there were three. <laughs> How about that long shot where the porter says to meet him like after dark or something like that, and then the porter turns and he just stares in horror and it goes on for like 20 yeah, seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. or so. Um, dun, dun, so, dun. so all of ha- all of Harry's close friends were in on it. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought the cop was in on it too, but I guess no, he wouldn't be because then he didn't know that the intern was buried in the coffin. Right, right. They they put the dead intern, supposedly Harry, right into a truck, and then he was taken away. Right. Uh, and Holly said, "Well, why didn't they bring him inside? Why didn't they?" Uh, and there was all confusion. Of, was he alive? Wasn't he alive? Yeah. Did he... he managed to give incredibly detailed, specific instructions. For a guy who had just been hit by a truck, which also clued Holly in. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, okay, so that all makes sense then. So, and then Harry, then he himself disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was supposedly into the his Into death. the sewers. Yeah, it, his, supposedly his death. Ooh, that's right. I did want to bring this up. So, first off, those were the real sewers under Vienna. So that's a real thing. Uh, but then the police force that fu- that chases, that does most of the chasing right. uh, through the sewers at the end, that is a real police force at the time whose sole duty was to chase people through the sewers. Oh, man. And then, and I love this, this is, this is uh, something I discovered, in a very brief shot, there is a uh, 
uh, a symbol of, I want to say it's a zero and a five, or a circle and a five, um, near one of those policemen that is apparently graffitied onto the wall okay. of the series. It's very blink and you'll miss it. But it is the symbol of a group called, and I'm getting this off of Wikipedia, the Iron Front, a German paramilitary organization that consisted of social democrats, trade unionists, and liberals. Its main goal was to defend liberal democracy against totalitarian ideologies on the right and left, and uh, chiefly opposed the Nazi party uh, with their, I'm going to butcher this, I'm going to take a running leap, the Sturmat Belling. Nope, I butchered that. Uh, it's, yeah, so these were a group of lunatics, essentially, who fought against the Nazis, the, uh, uh, the Stalinist Russians and stuff, and they used the sewers of Vienna as a way of getting around. Wow. So it's like, that's a real thing that I learned about from this movie, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, cool. I found my people. Excellent. The Iron Front. Yeah, I wonder, Iron Front 2020. I, I wonder if, like, in current times right they would uh hollywood would would remanufacture um sewers uh, to run through when uh the budget and the, the mm-hmm. type the, the technology at that time why wouldn't we just use the actual sewers right because exactly we can't, we can't rebuild these in a studio right exactly it, like too- there's um I don't know, maybe we'll watch it eventually, but in the second Matrix movie, The Matrix Reloaded, there's this giant extended, like, 15-minute-long car chase sequence, and they built a mile-and-a-half-long stretch of highway, complete with exits and off-ramps and stuff, specifically for that chase scene, because the other option was to shut down a highway somewhere for several months of filming, which I think would be budget prohibited but there's not much traffic in the sewers so no no well, it wasn't, yeah yeah now i now i like want to go on a bend and uh, uh research more about those sewers and like the uh the, the fabled sewers under paris yeah uh and stuff like that interesting yeah, yeah it, it's just a whole new thing for you so much crazy nonsense and i'm like i know i have other things i wanted to talk about and now i'm absolutely spacing on stuff. Well, there was one scene <clears throat> in the restaurant. What the heck was the purpose of that lady sipping soup with the, <laughs> with the violinist playing next right, to her? Right, right. The, uh, the Baron was a violinist, and I... I... That was just so weird. The lady was just so... She... she... <laughs> un, Unpleasant-looking... And uh, uh, I don't know, was it more authenticity or something? Or what was, I mean... Yes. Just to make the movie creepy or something? That shot, I think, would not look out of place in like a Marx Brothers movie. Like you expect her to stand up and be like, Dr. Hackenbush. Yeah, yeah, but the the music, by then the Zither music, I think, was doing its job. But, you know, making it Mm -hmm. kind of creepy and dark. dark-sided or something but uh, she was just really bizarre sipping a close-up of this unattractive older lady sipping soup that that is something that i i i don't know if this was deliberate or it's just an effect of like 
are watching this movie in the, the year of 2020 and just, like, not regularly watching black and white movies, but, like, I think the effect of this movie being in black and white, like, it exacerbated everybody's facial wrinkles and it made everybody kind of look like especially the guy playing the baron i forget his name but he looked like it's oh he's a vampire excellent fantastic this this cinematography brings out the worst in people with the with the black and white you can do that's where the shadow things come oh yeah in. i mean you can do so much with the shadows and the contrast mm -hmm. with the black and white that i wouldn't come across in color yeah wouldn't come across and um, growing up with black and white films and then of course then color films and stuff um, it, right when color just, was finally invented yeah when color, yeah well you know the color films they started making color films in the yeah. 50s and 60s and stuff right but prior to that um, you know in the right. when you 30s, drove around on your triceratops yeah 30s and 40s and, and stuff you know things are black and white it um, I don't know they just had a different way of of adding drama using the the lack of color and I, using the shadow. Right, yeah. There's like a lot of crazy examples of, of um, color being used to make things look completely bug nuts on black and white film. Like the set of the television show The Addams Family was actually like various shades of bright pink because it would translate as the correct like somber grays on the black and white television. Um, the one that I heard, I don't know how true this is, but I, uh, uh, I understand that some actors would get away with having like a double chin because they would kind of paint their double chin pink and that would come across as just a shadow on black and white film. Okay. So Weird. you could kind of get away with being fat. <laughs> Weird. I don't know how true that is, but it's one of those things. I want this to be true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's just about everything. Um, well, did you have anything good, else? Good, good movie. Good suspense. Um, um, good, I had a good, good action. But um, there's one more thing. Like, oh, sure. It's post World War Two. Mm -hmm. Bombed out Vienna. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Vienna's recovering. They mm -hmm. have electricity and water and so forth. What the hell with the Ferris wheel? <laughs> like. Why a Ferris wheel? I mean, is that something that would have been there or something that was notable? Or did they uh, just find it and said, let's throw it in the film? Uh, I, it, you know, Although they, they were able to use it with when Harry and Holly were at the top. Oh, he yeah. To, was, he was uh, threatened to push him off. Yeah, and was, Holly just kind of grips the side yeah, was, of the thing yeah, very it was kind of, theatrically. You know, su subtly, uh, you know, well, you know, I could just uh, push you off. Um and I guess that yeah, that was a way a way to demonstrate that it, well, I could kill you, you know. But it it played like there's so many like sequences in movies of like a Ferris wheel being like a romantic place to have a date or something like that, and this was like the inverse of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it turns out my best friend could kill me and is actually a sociopath. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, and he, and and um, Harry said. Um, Holly's accusing him of, oh, you don't care about Anna at all. You don't. You never did care about her. Uh, it's all about you. It's nothing. Nothing about her. But then, Harry writes in the dirt on the window. Writes Anna's name with mm -hmm. a heart, which was curious. So, like, did he love her? He didn't love her. He did love her. He didn't love her. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Well, the 
he was totally chill with uh, children dying, so... Yeah, to make money. Yeah. yeah. yeah that that bit true. where he's like, if I offered you uh, 20,000 pounds for every dot that suddenly stopped moving, like, someone online did the math, that's like $213,000 in today's money. Wow. So... Yeah, that's a fun thought exercise. Yeah, How many big, people would you be willing to to, yeah. to let die for yeah. two hundred thousand bucks? Yeah, it was each. big. Mo- it was big money. Oh yeah, it was yeah. big money. The black market. Yeah, I but, do love though how the entire thing, like whole movies, are built around the concept of just watering down penicillin. Like, um, if you've ever seen Inception, that entire plot is yeah. we want this random guy to break up his business. It's like, and a whole movie is based around that. Okay. A little concept. Yeah, we'll get to Inception eventually. Okay. So you, I think you'll get a kick out of that. Very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, as always, uh, our theme music was by Sean Monahan. I'm trying something new this week because uh, uh, it just went into the public domain. Our uh, incidental music this week was Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin, which suddenly I don't have to pay for copyright for that anymore. I may start using a lot more weird classical music for that. How about you, some Zither music? Some Zither music. Uh, if I can find it, I'll throw it in. You can find me at HD Lickner on Twitter, Muscle Nerd Studios on Facebook. Uh, we are now, I want to say, on every major platform for podcasts, Spotify, I think we're on Stitcher at this point, uh, et cetera, et cetera, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that should be everything. Dad, you want to sign us off? Uh, yeah, send money and go out and make something out of your life. I appreciate the addendum. That works out for me. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates by tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. That grinning, glowing, globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch, and if your doorbell rings and nobody's there... That was no Martian, it's Halloween.